Hey, maintenance phase buds. Today's episode is a real treat. Um, It's one that we're really excited to bring to you. And also, it is important that you know that I fully fucked up the sound. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mike is like uh, an audio MacGyver and did a bunch of neat tricks to save it. But just know that the audio quality for this one is a little little downgraded from our usual. Uh, We'll be back up and running next time, but uh, this one's on me. (laughs) That is not how I would frame it. I was not going to blame you for this. This is a very strange and technical process. We had to use Aubrey's Skype recording rather than her microphone recording because there are knobs and dials on the microphone that were in the wrong place, I guess. And I'm just a very loud person. So the place they all need to be (laughs) is at like the lowest setting. (laughs) We're both bellowers. Yes. We both have a bellowing issue. And so sometimes that fries our microphones and... It was Aubrey's turn to fry hers last week. <laughs> so we are sorry. There's a couple places where the audio cuts out. It sounds a little tinny. We're working on it. We think we fixed it. So please bear with us and enjoy. Hello. Welcome to Maintenance Phase, the podcast about health and wellness and energy drinks, I guess, or something. (laughs) Yeah, sort of. I am Aubrey Gordon. I am a columnist for Self Magazine. (laughs) I'm Michael Hobbs. I work for Huffington Post. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, look at that. We did it. And today we're talking about moon juice, which I literally have no clue what this is. So like, no, this has not crossed your path at all. Literally, these are just like random syllables to me. Uh The only thing I know, which I think I heard from you, is that this is somehow in the Gwyneth Paltrow extended universe. So if we're thinking about like Oprah and sort of who are the people that Oprah introduced us to. Oh, no, they're all bad. The first big one that Oprah introduced us to was Dr. Phil. Yes. Yes. And Moon Juice is like Goop's Dr. Phil. This is sort of like her like first big sort of like endorsement of another company. So Moon Juice is a company, not a substance. Correct. Okay. Moon Juice. So we might as well dig in. I was going to like dig in more on like, what else do you know? And it's just like, you're just like, nothing. (laughs) Great. Literally, (laughs) there's no, you have mined as deep as you're going to get. This is it. (laughs) We are out of ore. So it started out as an LA juice bar. I don't know if you know LA much, but its first location was in Venice. Okay. Second and third locations were on Melrose and in Silver Lake. So it's really and truly just like, where are the crunchiest hipsters? Ooh. Give it to me in retail brands. Are these neighborhoods like Prada? Are they Banana Republic? Are they All Saints? Hot Topic? They're like seven for all mankind. Ooh, okay. I know exactly what you mean now. Do yes. you see what I'm saying? Boom. Yes. It's like the it's like the wine moms who do yoga and they're like just on the border with anti-vaxxers. Yes. They haven't quite crossed over. <laughs> yes. There is a lot, a lot, a lot of skepticism about Western medicine yes. built to this. Yes. So they started as like one of many cold press juiceries in okay. LA. There are a lot of those, right? That sell green juice and wheatgrass and the whole bit. Can I ask a really dumb question? Yes. What does cold pressed mean? Like, what is the cold adding to this? So there are different kinds of juicers. There are, I learned this, I read the entire Moon Juice cookbook. So ask me anything about juicers. (laughs) There are several different kinds of juicers. The idea behind cold pressed juicers is that you are not oxidizing the juice. Okay. Normally, if you bought a juicer, like a juice man juicer or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. it was 
would look kind of like a food processor, right? And you would use this kind of plunger thing to push in fruits and vegetables that go down into this basket that's spinning really fast mm-hmm. and then shoots juice out of a little spout and there's your juice, right? Right. It's the wood chipper from Fargo. Yes. Yes. Correct. Correct. So the challenge is that that juice then oxidizes more easily, right? Which means that it turns brown within Ah. 15 or 20 or 30 minutes, right? So it doesn't look great in a bottle on a shelf. Yeah. So cold pressed juice does two things. One, it keeps the juice from heating up so it doesn't oxidize, but it also keeps the juice from heating up so that for people who are committed raw foodists. Ah, right. Raw food is a big part of the moon juice aesthetic. So the cold press just basically means you just like squeeze a carrot at high pressure. Like you run over it with your car and then a bunch of juice comes out. (laughs) Yeah. You scrape up the juice from the pavement. Yes. So they started out as a juice bar. They have since expanded quite a bit. Their whole thing is like food is the best medicine, right? Oh, okay. So they now sell snacks, which they call cosmic provisions. Nice. They sell capsule supplements and they've actually gotten into beauty supplements that are now in like Sephora and Urban Outfitters. And so they're like, you know, they're getting out there. This is the life cycle of the American lifestyle brand. You start with one thing and then once people are sort of bought into the brand, then you extend the brand to all this other random stuff. Yes, absolutely. They've also released a cookbook. They still have their juices Mm -hmm. and they've got these things called dusts. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which are these sort of powdery supplements that are a mixture of usually like mushrooms and herbs and a lot of ingredients that are borrowed really heavily from Chinese medicine, from Ayurveda, from herbalism, a wide range of sort of Eastern slash alternative medicines. I can see why Gwyneth Paltrow likes this. Right up her alley. It's interesting, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow calls her website Goop, right? It's kind of like a satire of people who are promising to fix your life with some sort of goop. Like, LOL, everybody has a goop they're selling. Ours is just going to be called goop, right? And they're doing, it feels like they're doing the same thing here by calling it dust, right? Where dust is associated with like dirt and filth. They're sort of tongue in cheek referencing how much fucking snake oil there is in this field. Uh, So potentially that's the case. I will say I did read one review of the dusts that was like, I really liked that it was dust and not powder because powder sounds synthetic and dust sounds natural. And I was like, this Ah, is bizarre. Yeah, that's probably going on too. Yeah, this this idea that everything has to be quote unquote natural. Moon juice is also big on adaptogens. Oh, fuck. (laughs) It's like Chevron with Tecron. It's just a made up word. (laughs) Yeah, so... Do you know anything about adaptogens? Has that come across your... Is that a real word? Yeah, it's a real word. What? Okay. (laughs) It's totally a real word and it's totally Chevron with Tecron. (laughs) There's a quote from um, the New York Times did a whole piece called, What are adaptogens? Oh, God. Because if you are, like me, a white woman in your 30s, adaptogens are everywhere on like Sephora. They're everywhere in juice bars. They're everywhere in all kinds of stuff, right? Wow. So this is the definition and sort of little explanation from the New York Times. Mm -hmm. Quote, coined in 1947, the term adaptogen refers to substances that theoretically, quote unquote, adapt to what your body needs and help protect against various stressors. Oh, for fuck's sake. Although the science is as murky as a mushroom drink looks, and these supplements are unregulated by the Food and Drug Administration, 
That hasn't stopped trendsetters from sharing their purported benefits, which include supporting the body's adrenal glands, reducing stress levels, and regulating hormone responses for an overall sense of homeostasis or balance. Oh, God. It's just like classic marketing stuff. So there's like a little bit of science that shows that there might be some benefits. Those studies have all been done in rats. Nice. Wait, what are they though? Are they a pill or like, do are they found in like broccoli or something? Where are we getting these adaptogens? They're found mostly in like mushrooms. Okay. Everything in the moon dusts. So there's like brain dust and power dust and spirit <laughs> dust and something called sex dust. Yes. <laughs> That's called cocaine. <laughs> well, also just like if your sex is dusty, <laughs> that's not sex I want to be having. I had the dustiest sex yesterday. So all of these dusts are just made up of basically like ground up ingredients like ashwagandha, hoshu wu, pearl has a bunch of adaptogens in it. So the idea is that these adaptogens are naturally occurring. So what Moon Juice has done is they've taken these exotic mushrooms or whatever, and they've boiled them down only to the adaptogens. And now you can get pure adaptogens in a pill or whatever. That's right. They're finding the most concentrated natural sources of adaptogens, a thing that is like pretty ill-defined, right? Right. And there's also the big step of even if, because we see this with vitamins quite often, that even when we see the benefits of vitamins in, you know, broccoli or whatever fruit or vegetable that you're eating, oftentimes those benefits don't actually appear once you take out the vitamin and put it in pill form. So even if adaptogens are this like amazing, great thing in mushrooms, it doesn't necessarily mean that you will get the same effect if you take them in a pill. And just because it works in rats doesn't mean it works in people. Yes. Also, you know what I mean? Like there's just like a lot, a lot, a lot of layers of stuff we don't know yet. Yeah. I'm not going to say like, let's never try adaptogens or they shouldn't be sold or what have you. But I am going to say, hey, maybe cool it on your like big sweeping claims about what adaptogens are capable of doing. Yes. And Moon Juice's founder, Amanda Chantal Bacon is her name, has very big, very sweeping claims about Mm. what adaptogens can do. Nice. But basically like – Because this science is both really underdeveloped and also really highly contested, Mm. if you, like me, are not a medical researcher or a healthcare provider, adaptogens and sort of the whole moon juice thing becomes kind of a screen that we can project our own worldviews onto, right? Right. So if you don't tend to buy into alternative medicine treatments, you are probably going to dislike moon juice and you're probably going to relish disliking moon juice. This is me right now. Yes, I am raising my hand. It is um, me often. Mm. (laughs) If you are down to try a lot of things, if you have tried you know, colonics and enemas and acupuncture and acupressure and cupping and Reiki and all of that kind of stuff, then you're probably down for moon juice, right? Sure. The other thing that's important to know about moon juice before we get into Amanda Chantal Bacon is that it has an incredibly high price point. Hmm. So one of their cosmic provisions, quote unquote, from their snack line is a bag of activated cashews. In the moon juice cookbook, she tells you how to activate cashews. (laughs) And here's how you activate cashews. 
you take raw cashews and you soak them in salt and water. Tired of these dead, unactivated cashews. Tired of these inert cashews, man. Bullshit ass. <laughs> so basically, like, they're sprouted cashews, but she explains in the cookbook we don't call them sprouted because you don't see a sprout oh coming out of them. And I was just like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you can get a bag of activated cashews. It's like a normal size. They don't list the number of ounces on the website. But, you know, it looks like, I don't know, eight or 12 ounces of mm-hmm. cashews. That bag of activated cashews will set you back $30. <laughs> you can get a 30-day supply of their Super Beauty supplement where you take two capsules a day. That is $60. Oh, fuck. And a year's supply of Sex Dust, Ooh. which, by the way, their owner, Amanda Chantal Bacon, strongly suggests taking Sex Dust before work. What? Because she says that creative energy is linked to libidinal energy. Ah, uh, if you're R. Kelly, <laughs> I feel like we're normal fucking people. It's not. <laughs> so a year's supply of sex dust would cost over $1,500. <laughs> that's a used car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So most folks will know Moon Juice, not because of the brand itself or because of the products, but because of its owner, Amanda Chantal Bacon. She is a young white woman. She's in her mid-30s. She's regularly photographed in sort of gauzy white clothing and big floppy hats and turquoise like statement necklaces, right? Should I Google image search her right now? Oh my God, you totally should. Amanda, you said Chantal Bacon? Yeah. Ooh, wow. Okay, wow. She's extremely pretty. Like, she's very conventionally pretty. Yeah, she's beautiful. In a lot of the photos that are coming up, she's wearing sort of these, like, Daenerys Targaryen white linen kind of flowing dresses. It's just, like, yard after yard of fabric. Yeah. Yeah, she's a conventionally attractive white woman. I can see why people find her messages appealing. Totally. She gets, she also gets asked a lot about her beauty regimen. And every time her response is like, I don't really wear makeup. And like real beauty comes when your body is in its right state, oh right? God. And when you're in tune with your body. So she she's really able to sort of like bring that back to moon juice foods and supplements and the whole thing, right? Which always bothers me because it's like someone who won the lottery giving you money advice. The key is just to not care and don't wear makeup and eat lots of fruits and vegetables. It's like, or the key is to be born with genetics that make you not store body fat, that make you not have acne, that make you have nice mm-hmm. hair and nice skin. I mean, so much of this is totally out of her control. Totally. It's both like genetic advantage, right? Plus having kind of astronomical amounts of disposable income. Yeah. So you mentioned in the Google image search, you said the first thing that came up was a food diary. Yes. And that is actually uh, how I came to know of Moon Juice because uh, of what was in the food diary. So Elle magazine does this thing from time to time where they say, like, tell us everything you eat. Oh, where like they invite celebrities to lie about it, basically. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So Amanda Chantal Bacon wrote her own food diary And I'm just going to give you a couple of quotes from it. I'm not going to, we're not going to lead up. We're just going to do quotes. All right, do it. At 8 a.m., I had a warm morning chi drink on my way to the school drop-off, drunk in the car. It contains more than 25 grams of plant protein, thanks to vanilla mushroom protein and stone ground almond butter, and also has the super (laughs) endocrine brain immunity and libido boosting powers of brain dust, 
cordyceps, reishi, maca, and shilajit resin. <laughs> I throw hoshu wu and pearl in as part of my beauty regime, and I chase it with three quinton shots for mineralization and two <laughs> lipospheric vitamin B complex packets for energy. You are fucking making this up, Aubrey. This is not real. <laughs> All of these words are made up. <laughs> She's having like fucking, what was it, quadricep powder? Cordyceps, how dare Cordyceps. Listen, and... I don't pretend like you don't know about cordyceps. I see you with your quinton shots in the morning. Jesus Christ. Initially, I was picking out quotes and I just picked out every paragraph because <laughs> everyone is this level, right? So here's her lunch. For lunch, I had zucchini ribbons with basil, pine nuts, sun-cured olives, and lemon with green tea on the side. That's almost a normal meal. Let's pause and appreciate. I mean, it, it sounds good to me, honestly. Yeah, Amanda, congratulations. <laughs> she says, this is such an easy, elegant, and light meal. I made this while on a phone meeting before heading out for the rest of the workday. I often alternate this with my other lunch staple, a nori roll with umeboshi paste, avocado, <laughs> cultured sea vegetables and pea sprouts. Where the fuck is she getting these ingredients? I wouldn't even know where to begin getting like pea sprouts or whatever. Yeah, I mean like so much of her food is like dependent on you take a day each week to make yeah. your nut milks from scratch to do bubble, but right, like to do all this stuff, to yeah. ferment things, to do all of that. And I would say all of this does sound like tasty. It sounds tasty to me as a snack. And it's yeah. really hard to me to imagine being like my whole lunch was roasted seaweed, fermented plum paste, avocado, fresh seaweed, and pea sprouts. I am, I'm just like, that sounds great. What is lunch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> when does the real lunch get here? Yeah. I'm totally down to eat these foods. And come on, lady. It's also interesting how this is wrapped up with sort of her work schedule that she's mentioning with the breakfast that she's dropping off her kids and she's mentioning with the lunch that, oh, I'm doing this on a meeting and then I rush off to work. The fantasy is that we can all eat like this and deal with all of our other obligations. Like, oh, I just like whip together a bunch of zucchini ribbons and a you know, couple sprigs of basil. I tore them up. And it's like, no, the amount of preparation that goes into these kinds of meals and this kind of eating, unless you're like a stay-at-home person or you have a live-in chef or personal assistant who's doing all the shopping for you, it's not attainable for most people. So like one of the things that happened is fallout from this on that note First of all, I should say this blew up on the internet. Oh, yeah. You can imagine the heyday that people had. There were like snarky pieces on like Jezebel and in the New Yorker, and like everybody went to town. I am all for just like heaping scorn on clueless rich people who do shit like this. <laughs> I am <laughs> like, I think we always have to temper this with like sometimes there, it's like shot through with misogyny. There's like, there's other things that we need to be wary of and we don't want to go overboard. But I also think that like clueless rich people are the most fucking infuriating thing, especially now. And salty articles about them, I think, are completely fine. Oh, there were two headlines that were like outstanding. One was Gia Tolentino's headline, uh, which was, I've never heard of any of the things this white woman eats. <laughs> um, and the other one was from New York Magazine. <laughs> and it just said, 
this woman makes Gwyneth Paltrow look like Guy Fieri. <laughs> so it's partly like folks are, you know, there's backlash to the like incredible, weird, wealthy name droppiness of it all. And some of it is also this like incredibly curated life that people are like, that's not actually how people live. There's also the thing that usually these clueless celebrity look at my life type articles, there's usually also a through line of sort of couching this as like sustainability or couching this as like, oh, look how good I am for the planet and all this other fake virtue about eating like this and living like this. I mean, oftentimes it comes with this implicit or explicit social message about how if everybody lived like this, wouldn't the world be better? And it's like, no, all the data indicates that we cannot live like this and this is not remotely sustainable. But you're telling yourself that you're a good person even while you're like baking the planet with this shit. Totally. So there's like continual sort of refrain throughout the moon juice cookbook is that you can heal your body and heal the planet. Oh God. The other thing that I will say that was part of the backlash to this piece is that as all of these news outlets started writing about it, a number of them started estimating the cost of these groceries. Nice. One website uh, sort of came up with the low end cost. Uh, and that was about $700 a week. Uh huh. <laughs> That's the low end. The high end estimate that I found was about $1,200 a week. Jesus Christ. So this is a diet that is straight up for wealthy people. There's also a thing, I feel like we should also mention, I really have no problem with rich people eating rich people shit and doing rich people shit. If you've made a ton of money and this is what you want to spend your money on, I like morally speaking, I don't particularly care. I think what is offensive to me anyway is sort of the influencer-ness of this in the literal sense. They are trying to influence people to live this way, and they are implying both that everybody can live this way and that everybody should live this way. Right. I mean, I think that's part of what's really interesting to me about Moon Juice is that it is this sort of encapsulation of like a lot of the most sort of insidious parts of wellness culture, right? That's like, it's natural, so it's better. You are doing this incredibly self focused and self-centered thing mm -hmm. that also gets painted as somehow altruistic or somehow benefiting other people, right? Yeah. It lets you be a consumer, right? You're buying things, which is right. like fun and feels good. Like I like to buy things and makes you feel like that is somehow for your health and for the benefit of others, yeah. right? Like it's just sort of collapsing all of these opposing concepts or at least concepts where there are tension between the two, it's collapsing them all into the same bucket. Um, and that bucket is full of brain dust. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A lot of this is self-improvement, but it's couching the self-improvement as, no, no, I'm doing what everybody should be doing. So Amanda Chantal Bacon becomes sort of this lightning rod, right? Some through her own doing and some through just being at the right place at the right time mm. um, to sort of capture a bunch of backlash yeah. to this sort of like wealthy wellness stuff that's been on the rise for a while to the influencer stuff that's been on the rise for a while. And she's particularly invested in and Moon Juice is particularly invested in this clientele of predominantly wealthy and predominantly white women who become fixated on their own sort of wellness, right? Hmm. And they're all sort of united by like, they've got the space to wonder what's wrong with them. Yeah. And because they have the resources to try a bunch of stuff to fix these sort of ill-defined kind of mystery problems, right? Yeah. 
it's it's really hard to talk about moon juice without talking about the history of sort of women's wellness. Mm. I would say some early examples that I would reach back to are in the 1800s, we start to see this kind of wellness stuff get really medicalized, right? Mm. And particularly focused on women. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of diagnoses in the 1800s that become very popular. One is neurasthenia. Um, and okay. the other is hysteria. Which is basically just like women be crazy, right? I mean, there's there's not much else to it, as my understanding. Totally. So there were symptoms from hysteria. Those symptoms included unusual behavior, mm. failure to marry, and <laughs> what they described as having a wandering uterus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. That's like how octopuses eat. <laughs> With a wandering uterus. Yeah. So the idea was that your uterus essentially becomes detached from your vulva. So totally biological concepts that aren't socially determined at all. Neurasthenia is sort of a twin diagnosis to hysteria. It was this purported sort of nervous system condition in which people had depleted energy and that depleted energy or sort of weak nerves is the other way that neurasthenia gets described is seen as a natural consequence of modern civilization, Ooh. which feels very wellnessy now, right? Yeah. And very similar to what we saw in our other episodes about this idea that we're this sort of like fallen species who has been degraded from our pure hunter gatherer selves. I mean, this is these are anxieties that seem to cross country and time barriers. Absolutely. I would say symptoms on this one are a little cloudier. Mm-hmm. You know, like when Scientologists will recruit people and they'll be like, do you ever feel sad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what yeah. these symptoms are like to me. So it's symptoms are fatigue, anxiety, headache, depression, heart palpitations, right? That is just sort of like, do you ever feel bad? Yeah, it's adulthood. That is adulthood. <laughs> it's just being tired and having a fucking headache. So this was diagnosed disproportionately in veterans, actually. Hmm. Essentially, it seems like what we would now call PTSD right. was then being called neurasthenia. It's diagnosed much more in Americans, so much so that it has the nickname of being Americanitis. <laughs> and it's overwhelmingly diagnosed in women. So hmm. Virginia Woolf writes about her neurasthenia experience Hmm. and uh, being prescribed a quote-unquote rest cure, which is just like you have to be away from the world. Hmm. I think it's also worth noting that in the 1800s, right, because of sort of the way that white women were situated in the world, that almost all of these diagnoses came at the behest of men. So it would be, again, like husbands or fathers Mm -hmm. complaining about their wives' behaviors and deciding to call a doctor who would go, yep, you got it. Her uterus is detached. (laughs) And this is also a time when men's bodies are being studied as the default and women's bodies are not being studied at all. We're just seen as sort of like defective versions of men's bodies. So it's really, really steeped in these kinds of social values. But it is interesting how a lot of the kinds of vague symptoms that they were identifying back then are still being diagnosed today. Yep. So much of the stuff about like cleanses and toxins and purity. I mean, it sounds like it's like word for word, the same stuff as we were doing back then. Absolutely. Like it maps on really, really cleanly. I would say inflammation also goes oh, yeah. in that bucket, right? Of sort of stuff that's like, why don't I feel good? And the answer is, here's a bunch of stuff that might be why I don't feel good. And also, you might just not feel good because sometimes life doesn't feel good. Yeah. You know, because we all have off days. And also sometimes things are just wrong and bad. Right. But it sort of keeps these like wealthier white women 
in this loop of trying to solve the mystery that they haven't even sort of defined what happened, right? And the way that you solve the mystery is by buying a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and it's always one thing, right? It's always like, oh, oh, it's it's going to be adaptogens. Once I take the adaptogens, I don't have to change anything else. Everything else is going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So like all of this is happening, hysteria, neurasthenia, all this kind of stuff is happening. Shortly thereafter, we start to see this boon of better living products, which are what we would now call wellness, right? Ooh. That's when Coca-Cola is founded oh. as um, ostensibly a health beverage. Really? Oh, do you not know this about Coca-Cola? No, I mean, I know that it like used to have cocaine in it, but I didn't yeah. know that it was like a tonic at first. Well, that was the tonic, was the cocaine. <laughs> I'll fucking bet it was. Yeah. Sex dust. It's also around the same time that Kellogg's is founded, Kellogg's cornflakes, which were in invented by John Harvey Kellogg, who was a doctor who ran a sanitarium. Mm. The sanitarium was a sort of, it sounds a little spa-like. Okay. And uh, he came up with this recipe for toasted cornflakes, and his brother bought the rights and started Kellogg cereal, and it was marketed as a health food, right? Oh. Some of these products were also specifically marketed to women, including one that was advertised in a 1902 Sears and Roebuck catalog. Mm-hmm. Here is the text of that ad. Ladies, you can be beautiful. Mm. No matter who you are, what your disfigurements may be, (sighs) you can make yourself as handsome as any lady in the land by the use of our French arsenic wafers. Arsenic is the only thing standing between you and true beauty. That's awesome. Totally. So they say it will take care of your freckles. It'll take care of like any skin breakouts or redness or jaundice or rough skin. They say it will sort of like make you more beautiful than anyone. Just eat arsenic. Small doses of poison. Yeah. So as you've noted, like there's a lot of this. We like we sort of hear echoes of this today, right? And, you know, as close as we get in the moon juice world and in contemporary wellness in terms of a definition of being well is just like, is your whole life going the way you want it to? Right. Are you happy every day? Are you having great sex every day? Are you alert every time you're awake? God, is anybody? Right. But again, like this is just being a person in the world. Yeah. It's I mean, yeah, it's so hard to talk about this stuff without sounding judgy, right? Because... People do struggle with fatigue. People do struggle with sleep. General, you know, aches and pains. People get lower back pain as they get older. Their knees hurt. You know, there's just a lot of hurt going around. And like you don't want to in any way invalidate that or act to people like, oh, just you complaining, which it objectively isn't. Like people are hurting mentally and physically. But also what is gross about stuff like moon juice is that then you get these fucking vampires coming in. And using those real problems as an opportunity to sell you bullshit that does not help you and enriches them. Right. And as any person who is disabled or who has a chronic illness will tell you, you will hear about this shit, like this moon juice style nonsense all the time as a prescriptive thing. Right. Right. So. People who are disabled will get like a, hey, you just need to try this mushroom powder or you just need to eat more vegetables or you just need to exercise more or you just need to blah, blah, blah. Right. So it also sort of like not only does it not help people with disabilities and chronic illnesses, it also sort of feeds into this weird concern trolling, abled people saying, I know better than you, disabled person. 
kind of vibe that's really creepy. Yeah, it reinforces this idea that, you know, if you have a real illness, like it must be because you're not eating enough probiotics or there's something you're doing wrong as opposed to just trying to connect with that person and trying to find out what their experience is like. It's like you're constantly looking for a reason that they've done it to themselves. Totally. Like if you have chronic fatigue syndrome, which is a real thing that people have thought is fake for decades. It's like, oh, no, no, no. It must be a food allergy. It must be because you did this wrong. It must be because you're not getting enough fresh air. The explanations change over the decades, but there's always some reason why you don't have a real ailment. It's really gross, right? Like It's just really gross for from every angle. I mean, to like bring us back to moon juice land in particular, mm. Moon Juice is kind of almost synonymous with Amanda Chantal Bacon, right? She's the face of the brand. She's the only Moon Juice employee who's really quoted mm. anywhere. That said, it's really difficult to dig in on her because the only things we know about Amanda Chantal Bacon are what she has told us, which is not much. There is not a Wikipedia page for her or for oh, Moon weird. Juice, which is super strange. All we have are sort of these kind of tales that she tells about her own wellness or lack of wellness. I should say, like, in fairness, all anybody knows about me is what I've told them. I mean, this is, yeah, being a public, semi-public figure. Yeah. Yes. So there are a couple of sort of stories that she tells about her own, her own wellness or lack Mm -hmm. thereof that are sort of really important to the mythology of Mm -hmm. Moonshoes. She, so she grew up in New York City. And uh, she had this bronchial issue as a small child. She's like four or five when this is happening. She's coughing at night. She can't figure out what it is. Western doctors, she says repeatedly, are sort of no help. And, you know, sometimes they they say she will outgrow it or whatever, right? So she's just like living with this kind of miserable condition until uh, she and her parents are grocery shopping in a health food store, when a stranger hears her hacking cough and comes over and says that she should stick out her tongue. He takes her pulse. He asks her a couple of questions. And it turns out that he is an Ayurvedic medicine practitioner from India. Oh, I thought he was going to turn out to be L. Ron Hubbard. Okay. (laughs) That'd be great. So she says within just a few minutes that he makes this diagnosis and tells her everything she needs to do, which includes avoiding wheat, dairy, and sugar. Okay. But she also says that within a week of doing it, that all of her symptoms are gone. Mm. So here's a quote from her about sort of the effects of eating this way. As I grew, my immune system also became stronger. So I was able to have moments of flexibility. (sighs) Even then, I always felt it the next day. And I was susceptible to bronchitis, chronic sinusitis, and terrible allergies. As I moved into my teens, I began to receive warnings from Western medical practitioners, which became diagnoses of exhaustion, hormonal imbalance, and emotional distress ranging from ADD, autoimmune disorders, depression, prediabetes, and a whole range of other maladies. All of these diagnoses came with the message that it was a lifelong sentence that could only be addressed with synthetic drugs and that failing to take those drugs would ultimately be life-threatening. Oh, God. I really love how much you hate this. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just such a, like, human story. And it's so – it could be such a, like, inspiring and nice story of somebody who found happiness 
in this unconventional way. But instead of using it as a platform to show curiosity about what's going on with other people, she uses it as a platform to be like, well, everybody else's body must be just like mine. Totally. Uh, I just we hear this so often. It's like these nice inspirational stories that just become gross marketing bullshit. So she's doing all of this. Later on, she also goes on a juice cleanse to to cure her own sugar addiction. Of course, juice cleanses are involved in this. Here's another quote from sort of the effects of going on this juice cleanse. The changes weren't all physical. I noticed that the inclusion of green juices and live plant foods in my diet incited a personality shift. Okay. Thought patterns and roles I had assumed were part of my quote unquote personality dissolved. These apparently deep-seated traits of mine were disappearing just as my cough had vanished oh my God. in the absence of sugar, wheat, and dairy. Oh my God. The foods I was choosing were changing the nature of the thoughts that were creating my reality. Oh no. She's like a kid who studied abroad. <laughs> and then they come home and they're like, actually, in Belgium, the way that they do things is... Mm, <laughs> Michael, she did this juice cleanse in Italy. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, I'm good. This is happening during a chapter of her life when she is spending her teens and 20s traveling the world. It hurts me so much because I fucking was that kid. I studied abroad when I was 19 and I was so insufferable when I got back. I didn't study abroad, but I had the air of someone who did. (laughs) I had the undue certainty. Here's part two. She says, I began to react to life triggers differently. The live plant foods and medicinal herbs I fed myself gave me a new sensitivity and access to a subtle yet powerful energy force. Oh, whatever. This is what ultimately led to the birth of moon juice as I became aware that there could be nothing better for me to do with my days than share this new wealth with others. Oh, no. But then... If your goal on this planet is to share your knowledge and your wellness with other people, why do you charge so fucking much for it? This is almost exactly what a reporter with Marketplace asks her at one point. Oh, yeah. she, does an, she does an interview and she's like, look, the point of this isn't so that I can retire in Kauai and make a bunch right. of money. The point of this is to bring it to the people. And the reporter says, right, but the juice that I just had was $14. Do you think that's <laughs> bringing it to the people? <laughs> like, it's like very yes. point blank. It's the only interview that I've heard with Amanda Chantal Bacon that is kind of holds her feet to the fire a little bit. And it's so gentle. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like the idea underlying this sort of like my whole emotional world shifted Mm -hmm. stuff, it feels very much like the secret to me. Oh, totally. Yeah. Right. That Like any flaws in your personality, any relationship struggles you have, any trauma you might have, right, are all a result of like something is wrong in your body. And everything can be fixed by diet, too. That it's like this one relatively superficial change about my lifestyle will solve all of these completely unrelated problems. Right. It's similar to the sort of like anti-psychiatry thread of Scientology, right? Yeah. Which is not only is there like one way to fix this, but also you should sort of mistrust people who are telling you there are other solutions, right? Right. So I kind of want to dig into the Moon Juice cookbook. Ooh, okay. I got this from the library. I read the whole thing. I thought it was just going to be a bunch of wacky recipes and there's mm-hmm. plenty of that, but it also sort of lays out the Moon Juice way of life. Oh, it's like the 10 Moon Juice commandments. Totally. And there are actually like 10 things that oh. you're supposed to do, right? Like there's like go organic and eat adaptogen and blah, 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 really, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. 
But the the things that really stood out to me about the Moon Juice Cookbook were a few things. One, the number of contradictions and tensions here <laughs> that she just sort of never really resolves, right? Mm-hmm. She says, like, this isn't about restricting your diet. It's about additions to your diet. But also, when you add those things to your diet, you shouldn't eat more than this amount of sugar. She says, this isn't about weight loss and that healthy is a different size and shape for everyone. But if you do this, it will lead to weight loss. This is like the new rhetoric around weight, because now that people are finally acknowledging the fact that fat phobia exists, there's now this move to be like, we're not telling you to lose weight, but you're going to lose weight if you do this. Right. She also says like, this is about health. It's not about beauty. I'm not telling you to look a certain way, but when you're healthy, you will have this glow, have glow. and you will, you know what I mean? Like all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. She also says she, because she doesn't believe in restriction, she's not vegan, but she doesn't eat animal products. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know. Okay. Then you're calling it a different thing. I'm not a Christian, but I just believe that Jesus was killed on the cross and then was resurrected three days later. But I'm not a Christian. She sort of seems to know that her customers will bristle at that kind of prescriptive stuff, but that they will accept it if it's a byproduct of a loftier enterprise, right? Right. And I think it's also worth noting, like, this is the logic of weight loss, right? Mm. If you get your body right, your whole life will fall into place. What she's selling here essentially is the idea that like, you know, like she's saying, like, I stopped eating wheat and I started doing juice cleanses and my whole personality changed and I felt happy all the time. Right. And I was, you know what I mean? Like all of these things sort of change. And it is this idea, this sort of very tempting, magical thinking that if you can just address this one thing that's kind of um, mechanical, that hmm. you don't actually have to do the messy work of fixing your relationships. You don't have to worry about uncertainty or heartbreak or sickness or any of the things that makes life uncomfortable or uncertain. That is a very insightful way that you just put it, that the rhetoric has shifted from you need to lose weight to you need to eat a more pure diet. And as a side effect, by the way, you will also lose weight. Right. But you're couching it as this loftier goal. Like, oh, I'm becoming a better person. Oh, and by the way, I'm finally going to have abs. <laughs> totally. But it's not superficial. And if yeah. you think it's superficial, then that's actually your stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Part of what I sort of sat with while reading the Moon Juice cookbook and like working overtime to set aside my skepticism to just be like, I really do want to sort of consume this on its own terms was that it really, it doesn't seem ill-intended. Oh, yeah. This just feels like a very insulated, very wealthy white woman who does not imagine, you know, I think she thinks this as like only a net gain yes. to the world and doesn't really think about like, who could this hurt? Okay. You know, like yeah. she doesn't think about all that stuff. And I also don't think she's like necessarily cynically profiteering off of it. I think she's just wealthy and has always had money, it doesn't occur to her that a $14 juice is like not an option. I also think that as adults, we should all be cognizant enough of history to know that some of the worst things that have ever been done have been done with genuine good intentions. Yeah, the road to hell. Exactly. I mean, there's oftentimes, especially in the media, how we sort of give people like Gwyneth Paltrow a pass Because it is very obvious that, like, they believe what they are saying. They think that they are helping the world. They are doing this out of genuine, like, philanthropic instincts. But oftentimes, regardless of the intention, the effect of their advice can be really pernicious. 
And that at a certain point, if you are one of the people in an industry where you are giving this advice and it is having documented pernicious negative effects over and over and over again, at a certain point, it is negligent to not change what you are doing. Totally. I would say there has not necessarily been a lot of documented pernicious effects with moon juice. That's true. I mean, it's not it's not like fen fen. It's not people are not overdosing on it, I guess. Totally. <laughs> it feels kind of like the wellness version of the college admission scandal. Oh, right. Where you're like, oh, it's just like rich people doing rich people things. Right. And it's sort of all happening in that closed world. Yeah. Right. And the rest of us can see into it, <laughs> but we can't. I'm not like affected by, I'm not negatively affected by anyone else taking moon juice or believing in it or whatever, right? On some level, me and you can just not buy moon juice and continue to live our lives and it's fine. That's right. I will say, I I do think it feeds rhetoric that's unhelpful, right? Yeah. And is sort of feeding into a culture, like a sea change culturally that I find unhelpful. Yeah. But I I don't think like, I don't think Amanda Chantal Bacon, at least I haven't come across anything that's like, I was personally harmed by moon juice. I don't want to like put her in the gulag. Like I have no... Totally, same, same, She's not Sauron. So this is actually another thing about the moon juice cookbook that I find really interesting she talks about like, I'm not a doctor, but I have studied under all of these herbalists and alternative medicine practitioners and all this sort of stuff. And I want to bring the lessons that I've learned to you. She doesn't cite the sources, right? There's no, there's no footnotes in the Moon Juice cookbook. There's no citations. That's because they're all like QAnon Facebook groups. <laughs> But like, in addition to not citing her sources and not saying, hey, this came from this study at this point, Mm -hmm. she also sort of flows pretty freely back and forth between her own experience and her own worldview and these findings that she sort of says exist. And she doesn't really announce when she's changing. Oh, right. As a reader, it becomes really difficult to pull apart what is a widely accepted scientific claim? What is a disputed scientific claim? What is her own worldview? What is my wishful thinking as a reader that I Mm -hmm. want to believe? Right? Like, it's really hard to pinpoint what is coming from where. Mm. She talks a lot about purging fat-soluble toxins, but doesn't say what those toxins are. Oh, no, toxins. That's like such a red flag for me because it's such a poorly defined term. Well, also, every healthcare provider I know, including alternative um, medicine providers, are all like, that's why you have a liver. So did you make any of the recipes in the book? I did not. I thought about, there are some that look actually like really good to me. She has a a recipe for cherry and black pepper jam. Oh, that actually sounds really good. Doesn't that sound so good? Yeah. She says it's like a low glycemic. Oh, shut up, Amanda. It's just a good (laughs) jam. God. (laughs) God. Well, also like as someone, so like one of my best friends is a type one diabetic She's like, what's in it? And I was like, oh, she puts in like agave or maple syrup or whatever. And my friend Lisa is like, cool. So I can't have that because that's still just sugar. Yeah, it's fucking sugar. I mean, it's fine to eat sweets. Like it's not white sugar. So I think there's some belief that because white sugar is more processed, right, that it is less natural and therefore worse. Which is not true, by the way. We will do an entire episode on this eventually. It's just not true. It's just not true. Right? Like your body receives honey and maple syrup and agave and all of that stuff as sugar. If you look at the labels of all of those things, they just are sugar. Yeah. It's fine to eat something that's bad for you sometimes. Like brownies are fucking good. Eat a brownie. It's fine. Totally. There's sort of this presumption that there is um, knowledge that we are not tapping into from other cultures, which is also like totally true. Yes, sure. And also 
it feels equally unhelpful to be like, none of our stuff is the answer. Yeah, exactly. And all of this other stuff is the answer. And to exoticize foreign cultures of like, they have like hidden secrets that we don't have access to. When actually we need to have processes to evaluate the truth of health claims. Like whether it's coming from like Confucian medicine or like a straight up lab in New Jersey, we need to have the same processes to determine, okay, we're going to test this concept and then we're going to decide if it's beneficial or not. That's right. But on top of that, there's also like really weird race dynamics happening here. Oh no. She is borrowing ingredients from centuries old traditions of Ayurveda, of herbalism, of traditional Chinese medicine, and that it is talked about in such broad terms, right? She talks about Ayurveda only in the terms of being like, this is a an herb that's used in Ayurveda, or this is an ingredient that's used in Chinese medicine. That's about it, right? Yeah. I talked to one um, Chinese medicine practitioner for this piece who described it as being sort of the trappings of Chinese medicine without any of the logic or treatment of it. Hmm. A big part of Chinese medicine is there is a whole paradigm about how energy flows through your body, all of these sort of gears that get turned, right? And she's just sort of pulling out one of those gears, right? And going, this is the thing. You got to eat this one thing, right? Similarly, Ayurveda has deep roots in Hinduism Mm -hmm. and diet is one small part of it. But the way that Amanda Chantal Bacon is presenting it, she's presenting it as her thing as a white woman. She sort of talks about her teachers, right? in broad terms, but she never names those people. She's not lifting up those people. She's just personally profiting as a white woman from sort of cherry picking parts of Eastern medicine to sell at really high prices, right? Like in very concrete terms, that is what's happening. Right. You're just juicing carrots. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) She's using it as like a marketing thing. I mean, I think so much of this sort of L.A. white people influencer thing drawing upon these other medical traditions. So much of it feels like a shield to me. You're like, oh, eat bee pollen. It's really good for you. And someone says, well, there's really no studies to back that up at all. And you're like, it's Chinese. Right. That's not really a defense of anything. And it's not clear that it is Chinese. And you're taking that out of context. Like, it just feels like a way of deflecting criticism of being like, oh, it's from Eastern, quote unquote, Eastern medicine, which like, which, which century are we talking about? Which country are we talking about? You know, it's, it's never quite specific. If we're being honest, the people who are part of that conversation about like, is this or is this not legit are overwhelmingly white people. Yeah. So it becomes a way for one white person to invoke race and freak out the other white person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> part of that conversation is absolutely no one knows what they're talking about. Yes. And it also erases contemporary Chinese medicine, right? Yeah, it, it's yeah. Sort of, again, like taking ownership away from the communities that are still practicing this and talking about it as some sort of like magical historical thing. I think any theory that depends on this idea that one society at a particular time in a particular place had it figured out, I just think that as a meta analysis of world history is just never going to be correct because at any time in history, in any societal anything, there's going to be pros and cons. Like ancient Chinese anything, those societies had problems just like our society has problems. There's no such thing as like a good society in some unremembered past. Like that doesn't exist. Just to be really 
clear, like none of this is actually about Chinese medicine. None of this is actually about Ayurveda. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) All of this is about, right? Like none of this, none of this, like there is no primer in the moon juice cookbook on Ayurveda and what it does and how it works. There is no primer on Chinese medicine and chi and how energy flows through the body and all of that kind of stuff. Really, none of that is covered. She essentially is just sort of paying lip service to it. And you're right, like using it as a marketing tool, right? This is all very much shaped by the sort of white gaze. Oh, totally. This is a cookbook that is produced by a wealthy white person for other wealthy white people. Yeah. Right. Who are not going to, like I say, who are not going to go to an herbalist in an immigrant community but they will buy the same products when they are repackaged in sort of minimalist jars sold to them by like a young, conventionally beautiful white woman in a storefront in Venice Beach. Yeah. So she has a recipe for something called a yam Julius. Yam Julius. Is that like a, a, a sweet potato juice? She says this is an orange Julius, but made with yam where you are juicing raw yams. Okay. And adding ground cinnamon and some other things. And she's like, it tastes just like an orange Julius, but it's made with yam juice. <laughs> sure. She says she loves lemonade, but it's too sugary. So instead she makes beet aid. Beets are also really sugary. Most of the sugar that we get is actually processed from beets, not from sugar. She also has a recipe for something. uh, I already don't want to. I put it in because I was like, this is hilarious. And now I'm like, I don't want to say it. It's called hot sex milk. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. What the fuck is in it? We went from sex dust to hot sex milk. And I like don't want either one. Yeah. So what is in hot sex milk is pumpkin seed milk, maca powder, hoshu woo, coconut oil, cacao powder, Shisandra berries, cayenne, and bee pollen. I mean, sure. I don't know. I feel like some of the stuff is just, if something is kind of unpleasant, then it must be good for you. Totally, totally. <laughs> I will say she also includes sort of the mission of moon juice. Ooh, ooh. Love missions. I fucking love rich lady products with missions. Just everything about this quote. This is maybe my favorite moon juice quote. Ooh, tell me. People always ask if I knew moon juice would be so successful. And to be honest, I did. <laughs> There's a cosmic calling and a powerful movement here to push us forward as a race. Oh my God. A big Holy part shit. of the movement is caring for our bodies as well as for the health of our planet. Oh, for fuck's sake. Anytime we make a move towards supporting or joining that mission, we tune into the flow of otherworldly success and abundance. That's what Moon Juice really is. Not just a product or a place, but rather a healing force, an (laughs) etheric potion, and a cosmic beacon for the evolutionary movement of seeking beauty, happiness, and longevity. She got one of those sets of refrigerator magnets with words on them (laughs) and just like put them in an order of just like transcendent, harmony, planet. She got two sheets that just say cosmic. Yeah. I mean, she genuinely seems to be pretty okay with people having fun at her expense. Okay. She's sort of like, ah, I see that as an entry point. Oh gosh, she's going to listen to this and like tweet it out with like a winky face, isn't she? I don't know what's going to happen. There's actually a great quote from another New York Times piece called How Amanda Chantal Bacon Perfected the Celebrity Wellness Business. Nice. Which is like, oh, good job. The quote from that piece is this. 
What Goop and acolytes like Moonju sell is the notion that it's not only excusable, but worthy for a person to spend hours a day focused on her tiniest mood shifts, food choices, beauty rituals, exercise habits, bathing routines, and sleep schedule. Mm. What they sell is self-absorption as the ultimate luxury product. Oh, that's good. The other thing that I would say about sort of proof positive that Moon Juice has a very, very wealthy client base is that they actually say that um, many of their products, especially their sleep-related products, their sales have increased up to 70% during the COVID pandemic. I mean, that's uh, that's just because everyone in America is suffering from fucking clinical anxiety right now. And none of us can fucking sleep. I haven't slept since March, man. Nobody's sleeping. Totally. Nobody's sleeping, but also... Who has $70 to drop on a magnesium supplement or whatever that says that it will help you sleep? God, magnesium? Really? Theirs is actually called Magnesium. That's actually pretty good, though. (laughs) I know, I know. You know? The marketing is very good. I'll fucking bet it is. And that's, I I think the more that I sort of dug in on Moon Juice, the more I was like, oh, it is marketing. Oh, yeah. I mean... Most of our buying decisions, like the bottle of wine that you buy at the store is based on like the font and the graphic design on the label. Like none of us know enough about most of the products we buy to make any kind of informed judgment beyond this label looks attractive to me. She really knows what she can sell and how she can sell it. And she really knows that ultimately she is sort of the product. Yeah. Anyway, that's Moon Juice. That's Moon Juice. Now I know what it is now. I wish I could go back and not know that anymore. And you, like me, can get drunk at parties and yell at people about my shoes. If I ever go to a party again, yes, that is what I will do. Yes, totally. Don't go to parties right now, but sometime in the mystical future. I also think we somehow skipped over the fact that her entire origin story is based on her coughing in a store and a random man coming up to her and diagnosing her with an illness. <laughs> I still think the central advice to come out of this episode is don't do that. A, don't go up to small children in stores and diagnose them with anything. And B, probably don't accept the diagnosis of random men who hear you coughing and come up to you and take your pulse. Right. It's like a, it's a medical meat cute. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just the whole thing is just odd. And I really I sort of struggle with a lot of elements of this, right? Where I'm like, yes, of course, do your thing. Yeah. Go forth. God bless. Again, I'm not personally harmed by other people using brain dust. And at the same time, this really is like feeding into weird race dynamics that happen in the wellness community. It really is an encapsulation of the sort of strange attitude toward disability in wellness spaces. It really plays into classism. It's just a really fascinating little encapsulation of all that stuff, I think. Yes, it's dark and weird and problematic, but if you like your sex milk, you can keep it. This has been Maintenance Phase. (laughs) 